Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's Song Sunday, so we are going to sing together the prelude, which is Morning Has Broken, which is number 38. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Carl Drake, and I am a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and online this morning. Since 1870, UU Wassa has served as a vital voice of liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. And with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Um, we have a few announcements here. Where did I put them? Give me a moment. 
Can't find him. Okay. Well, the one that I know that we need to announce is that uh, Mother Nature apologizes for the late arrival of spring. But Father Time was driving and refused to stop and get directions. <laughs> okay. Um, please join me in repeating the lighting of the chalice words. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Please, please rise as you are able and join in singing hymn number 347.
If you would, please join me in the church's affirmation. You'll find the words printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. Nardoxology. with your late announcements. Next Sunday, May 1st, join us for the first Sunday's potluck. Hosted by the UU Wausau Adult Choir, this potluck is all about finally welcoming spring. Bring a dish to pass and enjoy delicious food and community after this service. The other one is the Environmental Action Group is delighted to announce the launch of Project Sea Change in the atrium after today's worship service. Everyone is invited to record their latest efforts to reduce waste, reuse materials, and recycle on the project scroll and to pick up a little pot of cooking herbs to grow at home in celebration of Earth Day 2022. So good morning. How is everybody? It's nice to see you all. I have your story this morning. Um, I think a lot of the kids are already down in their classroom, so I could tell an adult story but I think I'll stick with the kid's story. So how many of you uh, have ever heard of a character by the name of Noah? No one, a good UU congregation, this is perfect. Okay, so Noah, we'll tell the story of Noah. Uh, I actually once preached a sermon at a United Church of Christ church in like absolute nowheresville, uh, Missouri. It was beautiful though, it had these wonderful Tiffany stained glass windows. Anyways, I was fresh in seminary and I probably only preached, this isn't the story by the way, this is just extra for free. But anyways, the, uh, I, I, was, I, I was really jazzed to preach this sermon, and my wife showed up. She suffered through this whole sermon. My parents showed up. They absolutely hated it, but everybody pretended to like it. But anyways, through this entire sermon, I preached to this little country, United Church of Christ Church. I kept calling Noah Moses through the entire thing. And, and the congregation just sat there like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And, and at the end of it, this lady, so sweet, she came up to me. She said, I'm, I'm just not real sure if we should, con- you know, extend to you the pulpit supply check this morning. And I said, well, well, why? And she said, because you just kept calling Noah Moses. It doesn't make any sense. No, no. But anyways, so now I'll tell the story of Noah. So Noah, Noah loved to sing and dance and play musical instruments. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's the extra canonical sources that we find this out about Noah. He played wonderful lyre and he danced really well and he sang really, really well. And one of the things that he loved to do was make music and play in the mud. He liked to make things with his hands, put together dirt and form stuff. And why did Noah like to do this? Noah liked to do this. He liked to sing and he liked to dance and he liked to play music for one reason because it brought him joy. How many of you want to walk or whatever you're cooking supper, you put music on in the background? 
Why do you do it? Because it gives you joy, right? That's why you do it. So fast forward a little bit. And Noah gets this call from God, and God says, Noah, I need you to build an ark. And so Noah's outside doing what he likes to do. He's singing, and he's dancing, and he's working with his hands, and he's slowly putting together this boat. And all of his neighbors come around, and they say, Noah, why are you building a boat? It would be like building a boat in the middle of, I don't know, Wausau that you said was bound for the ocean. People would look at you quite strange. But his answer every single time would have people who would challenge him is he would just say what? I work with my hands, I build and I sing, because why? It gives me joy. Then God gave Noah another message and said, Noah, what, what I want you to do is I want you to gather animals two by two and I want you to put them on this big boat. And so Noah traveled the whole world and he got two by two animals and his neighbors stood by and they just kept looking as this crazy neighbor of his with this massive boat on his property kept bringing two by two animals. And they said, Noah, you are insane. And he said, yes, I know. But I like to sing and I like to dance and I like to play with animals. Why? Because it gives me joy. And then all the rain started. They just started falling and falling and falling. And so Noah did what God told him to do, and he moved his family and his loved ones onto the boat. And just as you imagined it, the boat slowly started to float. And the rains came, and they kept coming and coming and coming. And the family was trapped together on this boat for a long time with all these wretched, smelly, loud animals. They couldn't get any sleep. Finally, about 39 days into it, Noah's daughter came up and said, Father, Noah... Why are we on this boat? What are we doing? Noah turned to his daughter and he said, I don't know. I don't know why it keeps raining. I don't know why we're still on this boat. But I want to tell you something, my daughter. And here's what he said. He said, what I can promise you is that there will be times in your life that it feels like the rains don't stop. And bad things will just keep happening to you will just keep happening to the world, they'll just keep happening to your family, but there's one sure thing that will keep you afloat. And what is that? Doing things that bring you joy. That's our story this morning. Please join me in singing our children's song. The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we've placed an offering basket at the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwausau.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit or debit card. Thank you for your support. This morning we have an offertory response. Please join when we are singing. I believe the notes are in your program. Mm -hmm. 
to invite everyone into a spirit of prayer and meditation. I'd like to invite you now to put your feet both flat and firm on the ground. If you pray or meditate with your eyes closed, you're welcome to close them now. Let's start with a scan of our bodies, beginning with the top of our heads. Feel the air stirring in your hair or on your skin. Notice the tension in your jaw and relax it. Take a breath and as you do, relax your shoulders. Take another breath and relax your stomach. Take notice of your heart. And let us pray. Holy spring of compassion and healing, with our hearts overflowing with gratitude for all that we can name and all that we have forgotten, we also remember that too many lives are flooded with pain. As we feel our own scars and know our own emptiness, we pray comfort and protection on all who live with pain and fear all whose lives are marked by violence, all those who mourn. As leaders make decisions that affect all our lives, we pray for wisdom. As seas rise and deserts grow, we pray for mercy. As nations threaten and wage war, we pray for peace. As other nations welcome refugees and widows, we pray for welcome. We pray for those who are close to us and those we do not know, for those who do not believe that any prayers are heard, and for those who have asked for our prayers. And so we pray aloud and in the silence of our hearts for the healing of the world. And now let us call to mind all the joys and sorrows in our lives, and let us meditate on them in silence together now.
Amen. Let us stay seated for our prayer hymn number 123, Spirit of Life. context on this reading that I selected for this morning. How many of you either have, had, or are aware of those keyboards that have a hundred songs? And you press play, right? And it sings like the Billy Joel songs. My daughter has one. I was plagued for, you know, I'm still plagued for 11 years, you know, Red River Valley and all that stuff, just constantly playing in the like MIDI tune in the background. So anyways, have one of those uh, keyboards in your mind as I read, as I read through this poem. Imagine yourself in the bedroom or down in the living room as you're listening to this song upstairs. The poem is entitled Songbook by Naomi Shihab Nye, and the poet writes, tiny keyboard bearing the massive reverie of the past. You press one button and we are carried away on a country road, marching with saints, leaving the Red River Valley. Here is every holiday you hated every hard time, each 
steamy summer wish. You closed your eyes in the wooden stairwell, leaning your head against the wall, knowing a bigger world loomed. It's still out there, and it's tucked in this keyboard too, because now we are an organ, now we are an oboe, now we are young or ancient, now we are smelling the wallpaper in the house our grandfather sold with every cabinet, table, and doily included. But we are still adrift, floating, thrum full of longing layers of sound. There an ends our reading. Our music response this morning is hymn number 311, Let It Be a Dance. Let us rise to sing this song. Let it be a dance, let it be a dance, let it be a dance. 
Please have a seat. So I did a bit of research, and I found out that somewhere between 17 and 19 weeks, when a fetus is roughly the size of a pear, it starts to develop an auditory system. What that means is, is before any of us took a breath with air, before light flooded our eyes, before the smell of toast or coffee entered our noses, we lived in a world of sound. And so just imagine, down in womb blackness, just above our forming bodies, our mother's heart beat to the rhythm of life. We heard the cadence of her breath. We felt the vibrations of her steps as she paced for nine months, eager for us to arrive. Now, of course, scientists have no way of knowing exactly what a fetus hears, but we do know that the fetal heart rate elevates whenever music is played. Other studies, in fact, they've shown that when a pregnant mother listens to headphones and what's coming through is music that only she can hear and music that she likes, the baby's heart rate actually lowers as the mother listens. And then if you switch that music to something the mother finds annoying, what happens? The baby's heart rate goes up. One of the oldest human artifacts dating back 80,000 years is a tiny little flute carved out of a mammoth bone that can play the do-re-mi scale. And so in the words of the poet and flutist Tom Traeger, quote, music is an elemental sensory experience that awakens a host of metaphors that occur again and again in common speech. I've shared some of these before, but I'm going to share it again. Consider just how much of our daily language is filled with music metaphors. So you often hear about humankind's need to live in what? Harmony. Live in harmony with nature, with one another. We often say whenever we meet a unique character that this person or that person marches to the beat of their own drum. We say how something or someone is finely tuned. We say the eye of the tiger is our theme song, or french fries with mayonnaise is my jam. When someone does something that brings us down, we might tell ourselves that the beat goes on. Whenever we get a bit of good news, what do we call it? Music to our ears. Or whenever our children or our daughters get a bad attitude with us, we tell her, we say, Ellie, you better watch your tone. And whenever we shop for a new car, the salesman always pulls us into that crusty room behind the scenes, and he says, you know, Brian, for only $5,500 more, I can get this car to have all the bells and whistles. So humankind literally makes meaning out of music. We've also learned that music has the power to actually rewire and repair our brains. If you remember back in 2011, a bullet to the brain left former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords in critical condition. And it was a miracle by all accounts that she survived. And that injury, it robbed her of the ability to talk. But in the months following the shooting, what she did is she engaged in what's called music therapy. And throughout what she describes as a very difficult process, Giffords created new neural pathways in her brain by humming and singing songs like Happy Birthday, an American pie in her favorite song, Brown-Eyed Girl. The late neuroscientist Oliver Sacks wrote, quote, nothing, nothing activates the brain so extensively as music. So as some of you may know, I used to work at a children's hospital. 
And I developed this theory over the years that I worked there that there is something innate in humankind. Here's what I noticed. Whenever someone picks up a child, whether it's theirs or someone else's, they often pick, scoop that kid up, and the first thing they start to do is they bend down into the kid's ear and they start to hum, or they bounce, or they rock back and forth to some unknown rhythm. And across the street at the adult hospital where I also work, students from the university's music program, what they would do is they would travel around with guitars or keyboards, and they would go into patients' ICU rooms. What they'd do is they'd sit down, and they'd sit and they'd talk to these patients who hadn't been awake or hadn't spoken for days. And so these students, they would ask for rhetorical permission. They said, can I play a few songs for you? And a moment or two later, you'd hear, sitting on the dock of the bay, or fire and rain. Now, I don't know whether those people could hear music like we hear music, but I do know that that music had the power to transform a smelly and chaotic ICU into something that felt like a sanctuary. So whenever the music was playing, you'd turn around and you'd notice that anxious and sleepless families, they would sort of sit back and close their eyes. And all those busy therapists and nurses and doctors They would all stop in their tracks, and they would just enjoy a song. It was as if a small tear in the everyday realities of illness and death would allow eternity in for just a moment. But this short sermon this morning isn't just about music. It's also, I wanted to say a thing or two about prayer. I wanted to say a thing or two about prayer because St. Augustine himself said this. People who sing pray twice. Now, there's an old joke about you using prayer, and you've probably heard me tell it before, but I'm going to tell it again. So the joke goes like this. The Roman Catholics pray to Mary, Joseph, and the saints. The Orthodox Protestant prays to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Unitarian Universalist prays to whom it may concern. And you know for a fact that if I was to form a prayer committee, no one would agree on what who meant. So here in this liberal church, we have reservations about prayer, and I think that we have reservations about prayer rightfully so. They're rightful reservations because we've seen for years televangelists, they pray for things like fat bank accounts or the reversal of biological fact. Now, I've been this church's pastor for a few years now. And every now and then I come across a member in this church who has almost this evolutionary take on what prayer is. And so what I've heard a few people share with me is that they describe prayer as something our primitive ancestors did before they figured out that thunderstorms weren't caused by angry gods. But here's what I want to say in response to that. If that's all we think prayer is, I think we are limiting our ability to grow as religious people. I also think hostile attitudes about prayer end up in the long run damaging the reputation of liberal religion. And I would like to have us avoid that until I get a little older near retirement age. And then you all can have it all, whatever you want to do. But so far as I can tell, I'll tell you what I think prayer is. I think prayer has everything to do with our ability to come to grips with life's reality. It has everything to do with our desire for life to have meaning. 
And prayer doesn't always have to involve us getting down on bended knee or thumbing beads or crossing ourselves, though it can. Prayer is also a focusing of our hopes and our fears and our feelings. It could be a moment in which we withdraw from the anxiety and panic and selfishness that fill so much of our days. But more than being something just personal, something we withdraw into, prayer can actually be an act that enlarges our sense of self and our relationship to others in the world, much like music. And if the word prayer itself turns you off, here's a suggestion. Just try calling it beauty. Try calling it hope. You can call it a church or you can call it nothing at all. But give it a try because all of us need to carve out a space for creation to address us on its own terms. So what's amazing about music and prayer is that they've been woven together for thousands and thousands of years. And so ancient Greek poets, what they did is whenever they composed their poetry, what they would do is they would then sing it and perform it for an audience. And in fact, if you research in China, the oldest anthology of poetry, the Si Jing, it's a collection of songs that date back to 551 B.C., And in the Middle Ages, the troubadours, what they would do is they would wander Europe and they would sing these poems of freedom and liberation to poor and indentured people. And some of those songs went on to spark revolutions. And those songs not only inspired the work of liberation, but they also went on to shape the poetry of Shakespeare and Elizabeth Browning. And America's greatest poet, if I may say so myself, Emily Dickinson, Often what she did with her poems is she would set them to the old church hymns that she and her family sang every Sunday. And let's also not forget that we use music to taunt one another. Go back in time in your brain back onto the playground and just imagine chasing your friend Jack and Jill around the playground and telling them that they are up in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And if ever you've been to a monastery, you would notice that every time the monks go to church, they sing. They sing the Liturgy of the Hours eight times a day. And the Book of Psalms is a songbook written by Jewish poets. And even the second story of creation in Genesis is written in verse form. And there are some scholars nowadays who suggest that God actually didn't speak creation into being as it's commonly translated but rather God sang creation into existence. I used to teach elementary Hebrew, and what I learned was that in those Jewish synagogues, a cantor would sing musical prayers every Saturday for the congregation. And the central prayer of all Judaism, the Shema, it's never spoken. It's always sung. As a church, the reason we sing is because we believe that music does what words alone cannot. And so what happens when a congregation sings? What happens is this. Everyone becomes a minister. Our individual and our collective voices become vessels for the truth that sets us free, the hope that never dies, and the love that casts out fear. And I know this because I've stood in countless sanctuaries. I've stood in sanctuaries with fundamentalist Christians and atheists and agnostics standing alongside Baptists and Presbyterians as they joined their voices and sang Amazing Grace like earthbound angels. 
And they do this because music melts boundaries, and it gives us hope. I feel this hope on beautiful days such as this, when I hear the music of wind in the trees, whenever I see busy people living busy lives stop just long enough to let life catch up with them. It happens whenever the grace of things give us those moments of unexpected joy. And so in this time of civic and national unrest, when the news is nothing less than a massive set of nails on a chalkboard, let these songs and hymns that we have sung this morning assure you that out of the ashes of tragedy, hope arises. In our service this morning, we have listened and we have heard singing, singing about dark times and hope and fear and love. Singing soothes broken minds and it comforts broken hearts. It can make suffering bearable and hope possible. It welcomes the glimmer of a brighter dawn. It enabled us to go out into the beauty of this glorious day, knowing the work that is ours to do. And so, my friends, let us go out singing. Please rise. Let us sing our closing hymn. Come sing a song with me, number 346. Roll.
someone this morning, I invite you to take their hand now. If you're here alone, reach out with your heart. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies, and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat. Relax and sing the postlude. You're welcome to stand for hymn 1064 in the Teal Book. Blue Boat. Thank you. 